Take him and turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 15. One verse this morning. Got to ask you to do something for me. Listen fast. Because I got to cram a 35-minute sermon into 25 minutes, okay? So be ready to listen fast. Sometimes my people say, I talk slow. You understand by my accent, I'm not from around these here ports. I'm from Michigan originally, born and raised in Detroit. That's French for give me your wallet. Uh, but I've got to get through it. I've got to get through. Romans 15, 13, the message that God, I believe, laid on my heart for you this morning. Some years ago in the North Atlantic, a submarine was mistakenly rammed and sunk to the bottom of the Black Atlantic like a stone. Cold water. They just barely had a chance to get an SOS out before it sunk. Almost everybody died. It took the Coast Guard several hours to get first a ship out to them, and they couldn't lower them in scuba divers because the water was so cold they had hard hats. They weren't sure anybody was there, but in fact, a handful of people had somehow sealed off a compartment as the sub sank and waiting to hear if anybody would come. Can you imagine staring at each other in a closed space, knowing your oxygen was slowly dwindling and you might suffocate together? As the hard hats were lowered, they heard a strange tapping sound coming inside and sent the word back, someone's alive in there, so they redoubled their efforts. And the tapping continued, and one of the divers who understood Morse code picked up this forward message, is... There, any hope. That is a heartbroken cry of our generation. We live in a hopeless age. Winston Churchill, the man of the century by Time magazine, who led Britain through the Great War. He was on his deathbed in the 1950s when the young American evangelist Billy Graham came to town for his first London crusade. And he called for him and he came. And all he could get out was, young man, can you give me any hope? B.F. Skinner for years was the president of the American Psychological Association and the head of the psychology department at Harvard. And in one meeting he said, decades ago there was hope. Today, the world is fatally ill. Ernest Hemingway, the greatest American author of the 20th century, concluded there was no hope when in his ranch in western Montana, he nestled a shotgun between his teeth and pulled the trigger with his toes. Marilyn Monroe, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain, very likely Prince, all concluded that there is no hope, and so they chose to take their own lives. Today, more American soldiers take their own lives than are killed by the enemy because they're convinced there is no hope. In America, church attendance is in decline, and when the uh, uh, people, the census people, go and ask them what religious affiliation, more and more people are saying none. They're the none generation. We have no affiliation whatsoever. Every month, 1,500 evangelical pastors are either fired or quit their job because they're convinced there is no more hope. Can I get real? The Oaks Church has been shaken to the core with their pastor's sudden resignation. And even the Bible says if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. 
Your staff is stressed out and overworked and wondering what's going to happen. People are confused and all of us wonder, is there any hope for the Oaks Church? Anybody here any good news today? Say amen. amen. I love bringing good news. Oaks Church, guess what? God is on His throne as the kids sang. Quit holding on and be held. There's hope. He is the God of all hope, and that's what I want to preach about today. I want us to read together from your Bibles. Open them to Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. One verse. As long as I'm preaching here, gang, you will need your Bibles, okay? In fact, I put the words on the screen. I want us to read together. You understand this is not Paul's opinion. This is the word of Almighty God himself. And so out of respect for its authority, would you stand with me and read together Romans 15 verse 13. Together. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's read it again. And the first word in the New King James and Old King James is now, so say it. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, You may abound in hope. Teach us today from your word. Show us what you want us to do and be, and we'll obey. Sing it with me. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. All God's people said, be seated. Now listen. Be seated with your bottom, but be standing up with your heart and mind, okay? We made it easy on you this week. The bulletin insert gives you the answer. Next week, we're going to leave blanks for you to fill in, okay? Class, make your head go like this, okay? Yes. But this week, because I didn't want to shock you too much, we filled in. But let me go and explain. The first question is when? When does God talk? In the Old and New King James Version, the first word is now. Right now, right when you need it. Did you know we serve an on-time God? By the way, you have my permission to say, Amen, Brother Al. Come on, preach it. Let let the Spirit move. You want to please God? And you'll please the hound out of me, okay? We have an on-time God. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. Remember the children of Israel wandering around the wilderness. And God promised them this, As thy days, so shall thy strength be. I'll give you enough strength for each day. Don't worry about tomorrow when you're going to need strength. When tomorrow comes, I'll give it to you then. And not until. And the bread from heaven, the manna, take just enough for today. There were some Aggies that had to have to save up for a rainy day. You know, it's okay. They, they took twice as much just in case God doesn't come through tomorrow. What happened to the extra manna? Worms. Rotten. I told you just enough for today. Some of you are borrowing on problems tomorrow. That'll never come. The worried cow would have mooed till now if she'd have saved her breath, but she worried that her hay wouldn't last all day, so she mooed herself to death. That's some of you people. You're so worried about tomorrow. What's going to happen to the Oaks Church? We don't know what we're going to do. In Psalm 119, David says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. I'm told that back then when they had to shepherd the sheep at night, they didn't have ever-ready batteries. So they fastened a candle to their sandals. 
they would walk in the light of the candle, but the candles only give enough light for one step at a time. And that's how God reveals His will to you. Some of you want God. I want the whole blueprint. God God doesn't work like that. He gives you enough for one day at a time. And He'll give you enough hope for one day at a time. Some of you remember Corey Ten Boom. She and her spinster sister Betsy and her father lived in, in, in Holland, in Amsterdam. And they hid Jews during World War II up in the attic in the hiding place, you recall. And they throughout most of the war, but they finally were caught by the Gestapo that came storming in and arrested them and handcuffed them and took them off. And just before she said goodbye to her beloved 80-year-old father for the last time, she said, oh, Papa, what are we going to do? How will I ever get through this? And he wisely said, Corey, when you were a little girl and we'd ride the train into town, when would I give you the ticket? And she thought for a moment and said, just before we got on. He said, that's when God will give you the grace to endure whatever he allows in your life. When you need it, not before, not too late, right now. He is an on-time God, and that's when his hope arrives. Second question, who? The Bible says, and now may the God of hope. I love the names of God. If I'm around here long enough, sooner or later I'll preach a series on the names of God because the names of God bespeak His character. He is El Shaddai, Almighty One. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Don't you love this name for God? He is the God of all hope. The God of all hope. None more promising than this. But you need to understand what biblical hope is all about. Sometimes we talk about hope as kind of like whistling in the dark. Well, I hope so. Well, maybe. Maybe I'll win the lottery on the way home from church. I had my devotions this morning. Ain't going to happen. Take. Like, oh, I hope the Rangers win the World Series this year. I told my people, when I die... I want the Texas Rangers to be my pallbearers so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm a Rangers fan. I love them. And when they let me down, I'll be saying, go Rangers in my casket. But anyhow, but that's not what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is the sure and certain promise that is rooted in God's inerrant word. Not one sure promise has he ever reneged on. You can take it to the bank. In fact, don't take it to the bank. They're failing. You can count on it. God is true with his promises. And you need to know this, that God is not pacing the portals of heaven with a worried brow and wringing his head. What am I going to do about that oak situation? Their pastor left and the staff and the people and oh, what is that? He is on his throne, amen? And he is in control of every molecule in the universe and he knows what's going on in his church and he has the answer for this church. Please understand, I am not Moses. I don't have all the answers. And we, I talked to the staff in the leadership conference, we are in way over our heads. And isn't it exciting? Now we can stand back and watch and see what God's going to do. Because you can't count it up on us. We didn't know what we were doing. We're just doing the next thing. And God says, watch me work. God has exciting things in store for this church in the coming weeks and months and years. The best days are yet ahead, but I'm getting ahead of myself. The when, now, the who, the God of all hope. Thirdly, the what. May he fill you with all joy and peace. Did you notice it did not say, and now may the God of hope keep you from every trial and tribulation in life. God never promised that. The health and wealth boys from West Fort Worth, 
that insist if you walk with God and you have enough faith, you'll have a Rolex watch and drive a gold Cadillac Escalade or something like this. There's a Greek word for that kind of uh, philosophy, baloney. <laughs> it isn't true. One of the not-so-precious promises of God is this, of Jesus. While you are in the world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have trials. No testimony without a test. You're going to have trials. You're going to be in over your head. But he wants to fill you with all joy and peace. You're going to have tribulation. Any of you ever heard of Murphy's Law? Murphy's Law says what can go wrong will go wrong. You want to know something? Murphy was an optimist. (laughs) What can't go wrong will go wrong. At the worst possible times. Whenever I get in line at the grocery store or the bank on I-20, I change lanes and all of a sudden they're dead still and the semis are passing by grinning and waving at Brother Al. Yeah, amen. You know what if you ever see me in a line at the bank of the grocery store, don't get in my line. At the bank, I'm waiting. I may be the next person, but the guy ahead of me is trying to negotiate a loan for a land, can, land contract or something like that, and I'll die of old age before they get to me. Get in the other line for your own health's sake. Have you ever noticed that it's the mate that snores that falls asleep first? Don't be looking at him. Don't nudge her. If I drop the toast, it always lands face down on the carpet, not the tile. If I'm early for the airport, my flight is delayed. If I'm running late, they're proud of their on-time leaving times. You ever notice in the grocery store, the few times I go to the grocery store, the barcode never works on my most embarrassing items. We, We need a price check on Lyle 13. Odo eaters. Oh, please put that down. I'll pay you anything. Don't tell them that. You will have tribulation. But in the midst of your trial, God wants to fill you with joy and peace. Not shallow happiness that's dependent on circumstances, but a deep-seated joy that's depending on nothing but the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Deep, long-lasting joy that makes no difference what the circumstances just in passing. That was my mom. Bless you, Bumba. When now, who, the God of hope, what? Fill you with all joy and peace. How? Through believing. That's a gerund for the word faith, pistuo. Through faith, through believing. Trust. God fills you with joy and peace in the midst of the trials if you'll just trust Him. No matter what the circumstances. I'd be interested here this morning. How many of you could quote for us the mission statement of the Oaks Church? Would you raise your hand? I see one hand. I see two. Three. Do you know how many there were this morning? Zero. You have a phenomenal mission statement. In fact, if you'll ask me back next week, that's going to be my next five-part series, is your own mission statement. It's experiencing an authentic faith 
journey rooted in truth. Faith journey. Faith is not a feeling. I'm preaching ahead of myself. Faith is a choice to believe God no matter what. Faith is a choice to sign your tithe check even though you're not sure it'll be covered. Faith is a choice to witness to your lost neighbor even though you think he's going to cuss you out. Faith is a choice to be in church in your place serving the Lord with gladness even though you're missing the family reunion. Faith is obeying God no matter what. But the pastor's resigned. No one's in charge. Things are in chaos. It is time for the people of faith to stand up. It's time to put up or shut up. Do you believe God is God? Do you believe He's on the throne? Do you believe He holds the Oaks Church in His hands? Then quit belly aching and be faithful. We've all had days when everything goes wrong. The alarm clock didn't go off. You didn't have breakfast. You grabbed a Pop-Tart. You're caught in traffic. You're late for work. You scream at the secretaries. You cuss at your partners, this kind of thing. And finally, noon, the Spirit gets hold of you. And so you confess it to God. And you go back to try to make up. And you tell, say, I'm sorry I yelled at you, honey. You know, I just wasn't myself. Oh, yes, you were. <laughs> My dad used to say, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Amen. That wasn't me. I was under pressure. Listen to me. When you squeeze an orange, you don't get Dr. Pepper. When you squeeze a lemon, you don't get mellow yellow. You are what you are under pressure. The pressure is on. It seems as though chaos rules. Are you going to believe that God's in charge or not? He fills you with joy and peace because you believe no matter what the circumstances that God is God and His promises are yea and amen and He's not finished with the Oaks Church yet. And now would be a good time for a hearty amen. amen. A hearty amen. amen. We've talked about when, now, who, the God of hope, what, fill you with all joy and peace, how through believing, finally why. That you might abound in hope. I said it before, there is no testimony without a test. This dark generation is desperate for hope. I teach world civilization. And to the philosophers and the people who understand the times, there is no hope. We don't have philosophies in the 20th, 23rd. We have anti-philosophies. Nothing makes sense. It's the theater of the absurd. The students back in the, in the 60s and 70s were at University of Cal Berkeley were marching on the administration building, singing the old civil rights song, We Shall Overcome, but they changed the world. They said, we are all insane. What do you think the Beatles meant when they sang, We all live in a yellow submarine. <laughs> it's nuts. There is no meaning. They're desperate for hope. And God wants to fill you with joy and peace through believing that you might abound in hope to this hopeless world. It is time for this church on the freeway to stand up and to shine forth in the darkness. God has given you guys a wonderful location here. Hundreds of thousands of cars every day drive by and see a sign. I know, I'm one of them. In my last church in Wedgwood, we had the worst location in the world. We were tucked in a residential community community. 
and all the streets started with W. We were on the corner of Whitman and Walton near Wilkie Way and Wadsworth and Wadsworth and Wilson and this guy. Oh, you couldn't find it with a seeing eye dog. And they can't help but find you guys. And they're wondering, is there any hope? It's time to shine forth in the darkness. Some of you may know, some of you may not. Wedgwood Baptist Church, I pastored for 28 years ago, a number of years ago on a Wednesday night, see you at the poll rally. Over 500 youth from 12 different churches that went to camp with us were having a rally. When a crazed gunman armed with 200 rounds of ammunition, two pistols and a pipe bomb came in and started firing away. And by the time he was done, seven were wounded and eight young people dead. God knew what he needed. First thing that Wedgwood needed was a brain-dead pastor, and so he worked out the details. Three days before that, I had preached my own mother's funeral. I was emotionally numb. I couldn't think. All I could do was react. I remember that morning, I was up in Michigan on the dock by the beautiful St. Clair River, our family home. We were going to have to sell it, thinking, oh, God, when I get back to Fort Worth, I'm going to need time to process this grief. Got back to Fort Worth, and the whole world blew up. And in the next three, four weeks, I had interviews with the BBC, with Good Morning America, Katie Couric, the Today Show. And I didn't know. I was just, it was, I, I, I couldn't, I was numb. That kept me from going into shock so the Holy Spirit could speak through me. Just one illustration. There's gazillions. The night after, we were scheduled to be on the Larry King live show. Larry King, one of the best interviewers, millions of viewers. And that night, Vice President, then Vice President Al Gore was on with them. They were talking, and finally came, and we've got the pastor of the Wedgwood Church in Fort Worth with a shooting. Good evening, Dr. Meredith. We're condolences, this kind of thing. And then he turned to the Vice President and said, Vice President Gore, do you have anything you'd like to ask Pastor Meredith? He said, yes. He said, Dr. Meredith, what hope can you give your people Sunday morning? <laughs> it's like saying sick them to a hound dog. <laughs> Tee it up and whack away. I'm so glad you asked. Here's what I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him we haven't lost a single child because if you know where something is, it's not lost. As far as we know, every one of those kids had given their lives to Jesus Christ and is the only one who ever lived who faced death and hell directly came back and said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I'm so glad I can give him this. Well, thank you, Dr. Meredith. Click over to the sponsors. But I got to share that to millions of people on the devil's nickel. Didn't pay a dime for it. God is the God of all hope. This old world is hopeless. Have you seen those beer ads where a bunch of young guys sitting around a bonfire, they've been fishing by the beach as the sun goes down, they pass around the miller. Guys that don't get no better than this. Isn't that pathetic? Isn't that pathetic? We all know they're going to be puking their toenails out tomorrow morning. If that's as good as it gets, no wonder they're hopeless. No wonder they're desperate. The good news today is no matter how bad it gets around here, the best is yet to come. Amen? Do you hear the story about the church lady who had cancer and she knew she didn't have much time and called the preacher in to plan her funeral, what dress she'd wear and how she had her hair done and who the pallbearers would be and what songs, this kind of thing. She said, when they put me in a casket, put my Bible in one hand, the other hand a fork. Fork. 
Well, you know, when people ask, make requests of the funeral, you honor it. But she said, I just got to ask, why a fork? And she said, you understand that Baptists can't smoke or dance or drink or chew, don't you? So we make it all up by eating ourselves to death, okay? And she'd been to so many church suppers. She says, I know when they come and take my plate away, and they say, keep your fork. Someone has gone to the trouble of making red velvet cake. I never even heard of red velvet cake till I came down south. I'm telling you, if you taped red velvet cake to my forehead, my tongue would beat me to death trying to get at it. So when they say, keep your fork, I know the best is yet to come. Amen. No matter how dark it gets, the best is yet to come. I've read the last chapter, and guess what, gang? We win. We win. So how now are you going to respond? Thanks for listening to the Oaks Cast. The Oaks meets on Sundays at 9 a.m. for traditional service and 10.30 a.m. for contemporary service. For more information, you can visit us at discovertheoaks.org.